Good morning. Please join me in our responsive reading printed in your worship folder and also on the screen. God, forgive us for being asleep when you need us. You weep with the soul of one who is friendless while we wonder whom to invite to dinner. We know Christ's teachings. We know the needs of the world. We know ourselves. Let let us pray. O Lord, your creative power is everlasting. Even when fires, wars, revolutions, and unaccountable violence destroy everything that we have built, your loving intention of, is for a world without harm, and that remains in place. Thank you, O oh God, for your continuing interest in us. Lord, we ask for you to strengthen our tired bones and our flagging spirits. Help us to focus on our work for you so that we are a part of creating a new earth. Lord, your creative power is never-ending. And you, O Christ, are unfailing. And we are here to praise your holy name. Amen.
Good morning. We'd like to welcome everyone here today. We're glad that you are here in the house of the Lord, and we're it's wonderful to fellowship with one another and to worship God together. And we welcome you in the name of Jesus. We welcome our guests, especially today. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. And we'd like to invite our guests to stop by our hospitality table uh, before you leave today. We have a little gift that we would like to give you this morning. Let me also remind everyone of our attendance sheets that's on uh, in the little uh, booklet on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out. So we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning, uh, provide any information you feel comfortable giving us. But especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter that comes out every Thursday uh, morning, uh, please put your email address on there and we will be sure to get you on our list to, uh, to receive that email newsletter that comes out every Thursday morning. We are glad you are here today, and we are glad to, uh, to worship God together and to fellowship with one another. So let me invite you to, to stand now and to fellowship with one another as you extend the right hand of Christian fellowship. Okay, children, come on forward for our children's moment. Come on, children, come forward for our children's moment. Caleb, am I on? Caleb and Jared need your help. Come up here. Well, you all in the bulletin, it says Miss Shannon's supposed to be here doing this, and they've had a family issue this morning, so you're stuck with me. Oh, thanks, Caleb. <laughs> Sorry. All right. What's this? Hmm, salt. No big deal, right? It's just salt. It can burn your eyes. But you know what? You want me to tell you how we, all of us, are like salt? Did you know that? No. Because sometimes we wear white and salt is white. Yes? Yeah, because when we sweat, there's salt. That's right. What? 
to melt ice. Right. Um, did you know that you can melt ice with salt? You can put salt on some types of food, and then you don't have to put it in the refrigerator. Did you know if you cut your finger, if you can stand to pour salt in there, it'll kill all the germs? Ew. I know, but it will. It burns, but it'll kill the germs. Okay? I didn't know that. It will. Well, unfortunately, but one time I burnt my tongue yesterday. On, at the this is children's game. moment with Mary and Caleb. And uh, on, on the hot, in the hot cocoa. Uh huh. And, and, and my aunt Rachel got me sugar, and I just licked it. Aunt Rachel. It there you go. Yeah, because they had All right. Well, I'm sure Dr. Tim wants to get on with his message, so we better get on with this. Well, All right. Okay. Ah, all right. This is what I like to do with salt. Jerry, put me some mashed potatoes on there. Okay, pretend mashed potatoes. So if I eat mashed potatoes, ooh, Jerry, what'd you forget? What'd you forget when you fix these mashed potatoes? Salt. All right. Put me some french fries on there. Ah, french fries. If you forget the salt with your french fries, do they taste as good? No. They do. They do taste bad. You know what? Salt's kind of funny because if you don't have salt on certain foods, your foods are going to be real dull and they're going to be flat. And you might up. Well, you might. And you know what? Did you know in the book of Matthew, all right, guys, did you know in the book of Matthew that Jesus said he wants all of us to be the salt of the earth? Yeah, the salt of the earth. Now, you guys, you're acting silly now, but listen. Jerry, and I know you know this, and Caleb, I bet you know this too. When Jesus said he wants us to be the salt of the earth, what do you think he means? means Now, be serious. Because he wants us to do what? Give me one example. Be nice to others, work for others. You guys know that already. Right, and what about Julie and Kirk Haynes and all the youth this morning? Were they the salt of the earth this morning? Because my, because my mom, she, she prints commercials. You know how commercials get on the Uh-huh. She prints those commercials. Oh, okay. Well, we better finish up here. I just wanted you guys to know that when you are the salt of the earth, and this is what we're going to do in children's church today, that Jesus wants us to be the salt of the earth by being friendly, by using God's word. Yes. Okay, that's and that, not be that mean. kind of reminds me of school. I know. Well, let's get it off there. Let's say one more thing and let's do a little prayer and then we'll go back to children's church. How's that? Okay. okay. Alright. Okay. Okay. Hands together. Can I use that microphone? Not right now. Okay. Hands together. Bow your head. Okay. Caleb. Good morning, Father. Thank you for being with us today. I ask that you continue to guide each of our children, each adult, to be the salt of the earth in all we do. In your name we pray. Amen. And if you would like to walk back, we'll go to Children's Church.
please be seated. The scripture today is Matthew 22:15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians saying, "Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not?" But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test? You hypocrites, show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, They were amazed, and they left him and went away. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, on this beautiful fall Sunday morning, we come to a time in the service where we can truly prepare our hearts for that time to worship you. We can do that first by giving you the praise for all the wonderful things that you have done, and by that token, we say thank you and show a grateful heart for all that you've done and given to us. And then we can each search our hearts in this time to see if we are about doing what you have asked us to do in the life of this church, for the life of this community, to spread your word and to share your love with other people. We rededicate this time in hopes that we will look to see how our mission is. What is it about this church that we can do and help? We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.
Good morning. Y'all are a good-looking group of people this morning. I've missed you. We've been gone a few weeks. It's glad to be back. It's glad to see each of you. We talked this morning in Bible study about the gifts that we're blessed with, and that's what we're here to pray about this morning right now. So will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for the multitude of gifts and talents you have blessed us all with as a church family, as individuals, as a community, as a nation. And please accept those that we give back to you that are really already yours today. Please use them to build your kingdom and show us how you want that kingdom built. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much, choir. That was a beautiful, beautiful song. There's um, one phrase that was read from our scriptures a few moments ago that is familiar to just about everyone. And it is the phrase, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things which are God's. 
Along that line, there is another adage that many are familiar with that goes like this. There are only two things that are certain in life, and they are very good, death and taxes. And at least death doesn't increase every time Congress is in session. Someone else has said that the Eiffel Tower is the Empire State Building after taxes. And have you ever noticed that when you combine the words the and I-R-S, it spells out the word theirs? You ever realize that? (laughs) I'm glad to educate you this morning. Some of you may remember the story of Lady Godiva, who was a real person, by the way. Legend has it that supposedly she rode through the streets of her town without the benefit of clothing. Uh, You've heard the story before, but what you may not know is why she behaved in such a scandalous fashion. You see, she was the wife of Leofric, the Earl of Mercia. And supposedly she made her famous ride through the town of Coventry in exchange for her husband's promise to cut the people's taxes. Let's just hope that our representatives in Congress who make such extravagant claims about cutting taxes don't follow the example of Lady Godiva. I hope that most of us are smart enough or at least intimidated enough not to mess with the IRS. Uh, There are mafia bosses in jail today, not because of murder or theft or conspiracy or anything like that, but they are in jail because they have failed to pay taxes on their ill-gotten gains. And not only can the IRS come after us when we fail to pay our taxes, but the penalties that they add can be horrendous. As someone has said, don't cheat the government unless you look really good in stripes. Now, I know, I know it's a long way until April the 15th, and you would probably prefer not to think about it. I mean, after all, April the 15th is not only income tax day, but it's also the day that the Titanic was sunk, and it was the day that Lincoln was shot. So, you see, it's, it's not a good day regardless of how you look at it. And yet, taxes seem to be on everyone's minds these days, doesn't it? Should we add more taxes for the very wealthy? Should the the Bush tax cuts be allowed to expire? How can we cut the national debt without raising taxes? These kinds of questions are in the headlines every day. And and actually, taxes were very much on the minds of the people in Jesus' day as well. However, taxation in those days carried an, an even more sinister implication than it does today. Because you see, when you paid taxes in Jesus' day, you were not paying taxes to Israel or to Judah. Instead, you were paying taxes to Israel's oppressors, the Roman government. Most of the tax dollars went directly to Rome. And to most Jews living in Palestine during that time, this was atrocious. 
The people of Israel were no different than any other occupied land. They resented the fact that their hard-earned money was going to people who oppressed them. And to add insult to injury, the Roman tax could be paid only with a Roman coin. And this coin was stamped with the image of Caesar himself. And the inscription that was printed on the coin said, Tiberius Caesar, August son of the divine Augustus, high priest. So you see, not only was this tax offensive to the Jews, but the coin with Caesar's image on it was also offensive. This coin with Caesar's image on it violated the second commandment that God gave to us, that you shall not make any graven image or the likeness of anything in heaven or on earth or under the earth. And the inscription that was on that coin claimed that Caesar was God. So you see, the Pharisees thought that they had a winning hand here when they they posed this question to Jesus about paying taxes to Rome. Teacher, they said, hypocritically, we know that you're a man of integrity and that you teach the ways of God in accordance with the truth. They were buttering him up, weren't they? So tell us, what's your opinion on this? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Wow. Now, this is a no-win situation if there ever was one, or at least they thought it was. For you see, if Jesus said that they should not pay the tax to Caesar, then Jesus would be in a lot of trouble with the Roman officials. But if he said that they should pay the tax to Caesar, then the common people would be angry with him. So his enemies thought that they had him just where they wanted him. But Jesus knew their evil intent. Jesus knew what was going on in their mind, that, that, he want, that they wanted to trap him and what he, he said. And so he said to them, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me here? And then he said, show me the coin that you use to pay the tax. So they reached into their pocket and brought him out a coin, a denarius. And he asked, whose image is this and whose inscription And they said Caesar's. But what's often overlooked at this point in the story is that the very fact that these Jewish Pharisees even had the coin in their possession was a violation of the second commandment. The fact that they had it with them was a violation of the second commandment. So the fact that they had this coin was an indictment against them, the accusers, And an indication that they had already chosen Caesar over Rome. I mean, over God. And so Jesus' response to them was basically this. Since you've already made up your mind, then give back to Caesar that which is Caesar's and give to God that which is God's. Matthew tells us that when his enemies heard this, they were amazed. And so they left him and went away. Render under Caesar the things which are Caesar's and unto God the things which are God's. 
Well, we all know what belongs to Caesar, don't we? We get information from the IRS every year reminding us what we owe Caesar. But what about God? What do we owe God? That's what I want us to talk about for a few moments this morning. First of all, of course, while we're on the subject, we owe God our money. My friends, this church would not be here if you did not believe in giving God your money. Whether you give God a tithe, a 10% of your money, or even a fraction of that, you and I understand that giving to God is a part of our responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ. And that's not to say that we don't owe anything to our country. We do. We owe money to our country because we drive on its roads. Somebody has to pay for those roads. Somebody has to pay for our schools and our police and firefighters and our military and all of the benefits that we have as a, as a free and affluent country that we live in here. And so I'm not, I'm not ungrateful when my tax bill comes due. I'm just happy to live in a country that provides these benefits for me by living here in this land. And in the same way, We give to God in order that the gospel may be proclaimed and that future generations may have the same spiritual benefits that we enjoy as citizens of God's kingdom. That's why we give to God. Mark Sanborn is a well-known writer and motivational speaker. and In one of his books, he talks about a friend of his, a friend who is now deceased, who was a well-known was well-known in the world of business. His name was Charlie Tremendous Jones. Some of you may know about this dynamic man. Charlie Tremendous Jones died in October of 2009, and and there was quite a a remarkable homecoming celebration in honor of him when when he died and when he went to be with God. You see, Charlie had a tremendous attitude about life, and that's why they called him Charlie Tremendous Jones. Sanborn called Charlie one of the most philanthropic people that he knew. All throughout his life, Charlie gave lavishly of his time and his money. And so Sanborn was surprised when when Charlie told him one day, I have given up on giving. Sanborn said, I knew that there had to be more to this story. What would cause one of the most giving people on earth to give up on giving. And, and then Charlie explained why he said such a thing. He said, he said, you see, everything I have, my life, my potential, my time, my money, everything I have has been given to me. And so I've decided to, to spend the rest of my life returning it. You see, Charlie was not really giving up on giving. He was just changing the words a bit. and said, Instead, he had merely come to the realization that he hadn't really been giving at all, all this time. I mean, how can you give something that you don't own? And so he realized that he wasn't really giving to God. He was simply returning to God what already belonged to him. I believe that most of us understand that, but it's it's good for us to be reminded of that from time to time. 
You see, a church like ours could not survive very long if, if people just gave to God when they felt like it, when they felt inspired to do so. Some people give according to whether they like the pastor or not and whether they approve or disapprove of what the denomination is doing and what their church is doing. And, and, and they have their reward. But folks, let me tell you something. There's a better way to give to God. You see, the church depends on more mature followers of Jesus Christ who give not because they like the pastor or because everything in the church is to their satisfaction, but they give because they recognize that all of life is a gift to them from a loving God. And we are simply returning a portion of what God has given to us. A while back, ABC TV carried a news story about Louise Hauser of Houston, Texas. She won $50,000 on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. But here's the remarkable thing about Louise. Her home had sustained significant damage in Hurricane Ike a few months earlier. And she was not a wealthy person. She could certainly have used all of that money for herself and her family, but Hauser gave $10,000 of her winnings, that's 20% or two tithes, to the West Houston Assistance Ministries, which is a, a food pantry that she works at. She plans to give to her church as well. And by, by way of explaining her generosity, she said this. She said, my husband Nick and I have a very simple life and we don't need much in the way of things to be happy. She says, I'm very blessed. And you know what? She is blessed. She's blessed beyond the blessings of material things. For you see, Louise is blessed with spiritual maturity. She understands that happiness does not consist in having stuff. Happiness comes from being in a right relationship with God and with our neighbor. So the first thing that we owe to God is our money. Then the second thing we owe to God is our joyful service. And I say joyful service because the people who serve God best do not think of it as a duty, but as a privilege to serve God. For them, service is a, a natural response to God's goodness to us. A Sunday magazine once created a, a Faith in Life Award, which was a way of increasing their readership and at the same time recognizing those people who best demonstrated their faith in daily living. The readers were asked to uh, submit letters of recommendation, letters of nomination, telling stories of, of the people that best lived their faith in their daily lives. And a large number of these letters came in talking about people who either had attended church regularly for years and years and years or who had given a, a sizable donation to their church or their favorite charity or had done both. Many of the letters included newspaper clippings and things like that that showed the dedication of the, people, of the person being nominated. And some folks were surprised when the winner was announced. Because you see... His letter of nomination was submitted in crayon. 
No newspaper clippings. And it read like this. It said, Anthony is a plumber. He helped some people fix up a house for my friend's family because their first house burned down. He also visits my grandmother in the nursing home and makes her happy with his stories and his harmonica playing. He's a lot like Jesus. I hope he wins, but if he doesn't, it won't matter. He will still be the same good old Anthony. And it was signed, Love Ann. I like that. He makes my grandmother happy with his stories and his harmonica playing. He's a lot like Jesus. Folks, I have been blessed in my life to have known a lot of people like Anthony the plumber. There are members of our church here that are just like that. You see, they, they take this being a good neighbor thing very seriously. And they are continually doing good things for other people. These are people who live out their faith in a wonderful way, not just by coming here on Sunday mornings, but out there in the everyday, work-a-day world. And I thank God for those people. So what do we owe God? We owe God our money. And we owe God our service. But of course, the most important thing that we owe to God is this. We owe God ourselves. And we need to understand this. More important than than our material possessions and more important than our acts of kindness is that we dedicate ourselves wholeheartedly and primarily to God. In whose image was in whose image was engraved on the Roman coins? That's an easy one. That was Caesar's. In whose image were we created? We were created in God's. So render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And unto God the things that are God's. In other words, as as one who has been created in the image of God, we owe God everything. We owe God everything that we are and everything that we ever hope to be. We owe God ourselves. And that's really all that God asks. Many years ago, an American church leader named Wilbur Chapman asks the founder of the Salvation Army, General William Booth, if he could explain why his work was so successful. And he hesitated for a second, and then Chapman says, I I saw the tears come in his eyes and and fall from his cheeks. And, And then General Booth said this. He said, Sir, I will tell you the secret. God has had all of me. There have been men with greater minds. There have been men with greater opportunities. But from the day I got the poor of London on my heart and a vision of what Jesus Christ could do with them, I made up my mind that God would have all of William Booth. 
And if there is any power in the Salvation Army today, it is because God has all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. What did General Booth give to God? Everything. All the adoration of my heart. All the power of my will. And all the influence of my life. I like the way Walter Harm sums it up. He says that we cannot do anything for God. You can't hug God. You cannot give God a dime. It's already God's. You cannot demonstrate in any concrete way your love for God, but you can love all of those who were made in God's image. You can hug them. You can give to them in their times of need. You can demonstrate to them that you are vitally interested in their lives. You can give to them your attention and your time. And in loving them, you love our Lord Jesus Christ who in flesh and blood has shown us the image and the likeness and the love of our God. You know he's right. Whose image was engraved on the Roman coins? Caesar's. And whose image are we created? We are created in God's image. So render unto Caesars, Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God that which is God. Give to God your money. Give to God your service. But most importantly, give to God your life. Amen. We're going to sing today a hymn of response, number 276, O Jesus, I Have Promised. And this is an opportunity for you to respond to the moving of God's Holy Spirit in your life. This is an opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus if you've never done that for the first time. And maybe you've been a good citizen of this country and paid your taxes uh, dutifully for many years, but you've never really given your life to God. Maybe you've given to God a lot of other things. Maybe you've given to God your tithes and your offerings and your time and your service. But you've never really given to God your life. And I want to tell you something. That's the most important thing. Because that's what God wants more than anything else from you. God wants you, your life, to be totally sold out and to be totally given over to Him. And if you've never done that, I hope you won't leave here without doing that. Perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a member of. We invite you to come and unite with our church today. We try to be the people of God or as best we can. We're not perfect. That's why there's grace. And we live by grace. But God's love is here. And we try to serve God in this place. Maybe you just need a time of prayer. We invite you to come as we sing together number 276. Oh, Jesus, I have promised. Would you come? Amen.
thank you so much for your presence with us today. We're glad that you're, you're here. Just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind everyone that we are in the midst of our capital campaign. Uh, we're going to be doing this through November, uh, through Thanksgiving, and we'll be raising money because we are in the process of uh, refinancing our loan on this building, and we want to finance as little as possible, and so we are asking people to contribute as much as we can uh, between now and then so that uh, uh, our finance, our, our principal, when we refinance the loan, will be as low as possible, and that will reduce our payments and reduce um, our interest and, and the things that we, we are paying toward the bank. And we want to be got, uh, good stewards with God's money. So um, please, if you, uh, if you could uh, contribute to that, just put on your check for it, that it's for the capital campaign. And along with that, we're going to be having a program at the end of this period, on November the 20th, uh, we'll be having a banquet here and also a concert that day. You, you may have heard before church um, some music by Kate Campbell, and she's going to be here in concert on November the 20th. She is a wonderful uh, musician, singer, and songwriter. Um, as a matter of fact, you may have remember, may remember a few uh, months ago, Burt Montgomery was here uh, signing his books. Um, well, she's at his church today down in Mississippi. So uh, uh, she will be with us on November the 20th. So put that on your calendar and make plans for that. We are also uh, collaborating with uh, Zion UCC with the uh, Peace with Justice weekend. Uh, that's this coming weekend on Friday and Saturday. There will be a coffee house uh, environment on Friday night and then some uh, some discussions and some uh, some preaching and some worship and some lecturing and and uh, things like that going on on Saturday and on Sunday Ken Sahested will be preaching here on Sunday morning. Ken Sahested is the uh, is a co-pastor of Circle of Mercy Congregation in Asheville, North Carolina, and he is a founder of the Baptist Peace Fellowship of North America. So please make your plans to be here uh, next week. And enjoy the Peace for Justice weekend and be here for uh, Ken on Sunday. We have our blood drive on October the 20th. And if you'd like, to, uh, I'm sorry, 26th. I had it there right, but I just didn't say it right. Uh, October 26th. And if you'd like to make an appointment, Jika will be glad to take your blood. Um, <laughs> and also, we are going to be beginning a, um, a prayer ministry and uh, we're going to be offering some training for that. And so if you would like to, uh, uh, be a part of that, then uh, please see Kirk Haynes or contact him and let him know that you would like to be a part of that training. We'll be starting the, the training in several weeks. Right now we're just kind of uh, get, gathering people who might be interested in that. So please see Kirk for that. Let us bow for our benediction. As we have come into Christ's healing presence today, let us go forth to heal. Let us go forth to bless, and let us go forth to serve in the name of Jesus. Live in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
Tell Barbara I said hello. I miss her. I miss her.